Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Star Talk, um, Space Talk. Wow, can't believe I just said that was the first time I've said Star Talk. That is too funny. For those of you who've never listened to Star Talk, maybe you don't uh, get why that was a funny mistake. But if you have, um, it's a great, um, also a podcast, but with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, and it's just so great. And Chuck Nice, uh, such a good, such a good uh, podcast series. So, Welcome to Space Talk. <laughs> so I'm your host, Athena Brensberger. Um, I'm really excited that you guys are here today for this episode, chatting all about black holes um, and how they get their names. Now, um, it's a pretty short answer, so I figured I would kind of d- dedicate this episode to actually chatting about black holes, what they are and uh, where they are found and stuff like that. So, um, who here likes black holes? Who thinks that they are fascinating space objects? And, um, who maybe, okay, got some, some emojis. That's awesome. You also can send a message now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just write hello in the, um, it should be on your section. If you've updated your app, it should be on the center section where it shows like an emote, uh, like a, illustration of a person and an illustration of a chat, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like a, like a chat circle. Um, either way, if you wanted to chat and send me any messages, you can do that, um, now during live shows. So go ahead and go to the chat bubble. That's what I'm thinking of bubble and say hello. So, uh, black holes are these really interesting things in space. So they are objects. They are an actual physical matter. Um, and they are these points in space time where there's kind of like a major warping of all things luminous where everything gets pulled in, in this one area. And it's exactly like what the name sounds like. It is kind of like a hole in the fabric of space-time. And picture the fabric as like a long black cloth and you poke a hole in the center and you poke, you you end up cutting out a a circle and anything you put on that, that sheet of fabric, once it reaches that hole, it can fall through and fall into the hole. So this is, I guess, kind of a a straightforward way to sort of think about what black holes mean when it comes to uh, relative space and time. And they are really powerful areas of space as well. Um, Einstein at first predicted them. He also spoke about the opposite of a black hole being a white hole. So they're hypothetical. None of them have actually been detected, but black holes have been detected. They've been observed. They've even been photographed. Um, and so technically, yes, that photograph is not of the hole itself. It's of the shadow of the hole because you can't actually see it with our eyes. But what you could see is the region around the black hole of, of a bunch of matter accumulating, uh, getting pulled in by the really powerful gravity of this black hole. And so, uh, that famous image you guys might've heard about, uh, was taken in a, a few years ago, I believe it was 2018, 2019, and it's called M81. So that is M as in Messier, Messier catalog, 81. And this kind of leads us to um, what our talk is about today, which is where black holes get their name from. M81 is the galaxy in which the black hole resides. 
And the most of the time, uh, black holes will get names really of just the galaxy in which they are found. Um, but that doesn't mean there's just one black hole. Sometimes there can be two, three, four, a dozen, hundreds of black holes because there's different categories. So the different types of black holes are supermassive. Supermassive black holes are usually the ones that are found at the center of a galaxy. They're really, really massive, like, like millions of times, billions of times the mass of our sun. And what that just means is taking our sun and imagine having like 20 million of those of, of our sun squashed together in something that's smaller than the radius of Earth. That would be a black hole, supermassive black hole. But then you have some black holes that form when a star dies. And so they're called stellar mass black holes. And stellar is this word you've probably heard about quite a few times now. Stellar is what usually is referred to for stars. So star phenomena, star behavior, or just stars. Stella. Um, and uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting a cat on a hot tin roof, I think, is, is the one where uh, the guy is like, Stella, Stella, I love you. It's, I don't know if you guys are into theater or playwrights, but definitely look that up later. Um, and so stellar mass black holes tend to be smaller. They can range from like, you know, maybe about 10, 10 suns. So taking our sun and just having about 10 of them to about a hundred of our suns. And what's really interesting is a very recent discovery about black holes was made. And this is kind of an in-between black hole known as an intermediate black hole. So can you kind of guess by using the chat function um, on your app, if you guys want to go ahead and type something and say, hi, I did type there saying hello. Uh, I'm curious, what would you say an intermediate black hole, what the size would be? So we understand supermassive black holes can be millions to billions of suns or solar masses is the proper term. And stellar mass black holes can be tens up to hundreds. So what would be kind of that, that intermediate size? Um, and if you don't have the chat function yet, just go ahead and maybe like update your app a little bit later, but it is super cool um, and I can't wait to start using it. So if I don't see any comments come through, well, we'll just sort of proceed with, with uh, chatting about this. But this was a really cool discovery of these types of black holes. And intermediate black holes, as I mentioned, are kind of those in-between. They usually form from two stellar black holes, the smaller ones, colliding. And this actually happens a lot in space. Because if you think about it, um, how, how many, maybe you guys, if you don't have the chat function, you can maybe send one of the emojis at the bottom. But if any of you have ever been in a swimming pool with your friends and went to the edges of the pool and kept spinning in a circle, creating a huge whirlpool, who here has done that as a kid? I definitely have done that. Um, I might've done that also when I wasn't a kid, I was an adult. And you create a huge whirlpool. So if you do that, and then you stop, you stop like swimming and stop moving, you'll start to get pulled towards that center, maybe colliding into someone, bumping into them. This is what happens in space with tons of different objects. Uh, I think we actually just spoke about this the other day about um, this happening with uh, binary stars. This also can happen with black holes because they're so powerful that it can start to cause all of space-time around it to become warped and objects to start to move in towards each other. And so when this happens, one black hole can, of course, attract another one to be drawn in towards it 
due to its gravitational influence and they can eventually collide. If you um, haven't looked up any type of like MIT black hole collision simulation, I highly recommend it. Um, It's super, super cool to watch. Um, Really any kind of collision in space is pretty cool to watch. Even galaxy collisions, all of them are awesome. So I want to ask you all, if you guys want to call in and say hello, um, please do that at any time, by the way. Um, I never feel like I'm never interrupted. So always call in if you want to say anything. Um, and maybe this will encourage some of y'all to come maybe call in, but if anyone knows the name of the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy, I'd love for you to call in and, and tell me, because we're going to talk a little bit more about the names of, of black holes. Now, I don't go Googling it. If you guys want to come in and, and click the call in button, I'd love to hear, um, maybe some of your guesses, educational guesses, or some of your maybe confident answers, um, what is the name of the supermassive black hole lurking at the center of the Milky Way galaxy? I'm going to play some thinking music. I'm going to change it up a little bit, play something else. Thinking music. If you guys want to either type it in the chat or call in the name of the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. All right, I'll give you guys five, four, three, two, one. All right, okay. So the supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy surprisingly is not named our galaxy. It's not called the Milky Way black hole. It's called Sagittarius A with an asterisk. And this is quite interesting because while I was kind of going through the black hole encyclopedia, there is literally a black hole encyclopedia online. Uh, if you want to head to the website, it's blackholes.stardate.org. Uh, and they have the black hole encyclopedia. So an entire archive of different black hole names and all of them are named for the galaxy in which they reside. Whereas you have Sagittarius A. So why exactly is this? So a big reason is because it's located near the constellation Sagittarius and Scorpius. And so you're, the first time it was observed from Earth was in this region of the sky. If you remember us chatting a little bit about meteor showers or uh, stars names, they tend to be what resides near or around a constellation. So kind of general general idea, general word of mouth when it comes to uh, naming objects in space, it usually is corresponding to either a constellation, just because early Earth dwellers, the constellations kind of ruled the night sky for a very long time. So objects that resided within them were usually named after these constellations or kind of similar or kind of along the lines of that. So Sagittarius A with the asterisk um, is this area at the center of our galaxy where there is a supermassive black hole. And at the same time, there is a bunch of stuff that's happening in this galactic center. So everything that resides around the black hole is just absolute chaos. There are like beams of of radio emission that are being sent out into the rest of the galaxy. There are um, quasi-stellar radio source, which we spoke about before, quasars. So you have all of this activity that's happening. You're having collisions of stars. You have new star formation, star deaths, constantly stars going supernova. 
things colliding with each other. And so you have all this movement and, and craziness happening. Um, and so this area, kind of Sagittarius A, is considered not just the black hole, but the whole area around it. So the galactic bulge. So that's something if you guys ever want to kind of check that out. Um, let me actually look up the actual mass because I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, solar masses. So as I mentioned before, when it comes to sort of the size of black holes, they're usually referred to in the size in comparison to our sun because it's just a little bit easier. Our sun is closer. We've observed the sun a lot longer. We understand its mass and its size. So comparing that as sort of our unit for other objects is basically the, the most straightforward and kind of easy way to understand sizes of other objects. And so Sagittarius A is about 4 million solar masses. So it weighs about 4 million suns. It's pretty crazy. Um, so just think about that for a second. It might be really kind of insane to even think about because that's a really, really big number. Um, but just sort of, sort of explore that. Its size compared to the sun, uh, the sun's diameter is about, about 1.4 million kilometers, whereas Sagittarius A is 25 million kilometers. So it's bigger, um, much bigger. So it's called supermassive black hole. And there are a few other things that sort of make up the outside region of a black hole. So you have the outer disk of luminous matter. You have this sort of accretion disk that's starting to form. And then you have like a, a photon sphere, which photons are massless particles, which are light. That's what light is. And that is what is being emitted from all this luminous matter that's, that's starting to kind of coalesce around this black hole. Uh, so it's a very similar thing to say like when a newborn star forms and planets uh, or dust and matter start to accumulate around it, which eventually can turn into planets. It's a very similar process and tons of different things when it comes to astronomy, uh, where things are typically of something spinning in the center and stuff starts to get attracted to it. And so this is what's the case is for black holes. But there's a catch-22, something called the event horizon. It's basically the point in which once matter is like passes through that, passes that, that kind of line, that limit, and starts to fall into the black hole, it's completely like pulled in by the black hole. There's no escape. It's also called the point of no return. Once it gets past that line, the gravitational influence of the black hole is so powerful that you can't even move fast enough to escape. The reason astronomers know this is because light itself moving at the moving at the speed of light cannot escape. And so that being said, the speed, if you have an object that needs to try and escape a black hole, if you go to fall into a black hole, you have to move at least at the speed of light to escape, um, or faster than it. Cause even light can't, can escape. So you have to move somewhere around 300 million meters per second. So that's really fast. And if that happened to you, you wouldn't even be physical matter anymore. All of your atoms would be broken down into energy itself. So maybe would you even be alive? What is alive? Would you be conscious still? Because it's consciousness just sort of based on our physical form and our own awareness. 
And if the physical form is broken down, do we even know what's happening? These are crazy, crazy philosophical thoughts. And um, it's one thing to sort of just hear me talking about it, but it's another thing to actually speak to experts about it um, who are literally studying black holes and have a two-way conversation going. And so that makes me really excited for an upcoming interview with Dr. Charles Liu. It's going to be on March 9th. Um, let me double check the time. I believe it's at 3 p.m. Eastern. Sorry, uh, Central, 3 p.m. Central time. Dr. Charles Liu, uh, incredible cosmologist. Also my mentor. <laughs> he was my mentor when I was doing research at the Hayden Planetarium. I still consider him to be my mentor today. Um, also just sort of in all things life. Really great. Um, he has really great outlooks on, on life in general. So Dr. Charles Liu is going to be on Space Talk. So next Wednesday, you'll definitely want to tune into that. And please come with some questions. We'd love for you all to, to call in and ask questions about black holes or galaxies or the beyond or quantum physics. And uh, so what, one more, actually, uh, announcement before I jump back into the black hole catalog, because I don't want to forget, Corey Powell is going to be on Space Talk tomorrow um, at 3 p.m. Central Time. So really, really excited for that. Um, so we, we've been waiting for this interview. I, I'm so ready to, uh, dive in to talk about everything from podcasting to science journalism to aliens. Uh, that is one of his favorite topics to talk about. And it is also one of my favorites to talk about. So jumping back into kind of the names of black holes, if you were to go through the supermassive black hole catalog, uh, most of big, big black holes is so the super massive ones. Um, since they reside at the center of galaxies, they usually would take on the name of the galaxy itself. Stellar mass black holes can, can be a little bit different. Um, they might end up getting a catalog name like SDSSJ0927. Um, so this is also just sort of following whatever the previous black hole number was. So they tend to just follow a numerical order, uh, very similar to comets, very similar to asteroids and star names that we've talked about before. They don't always get a very pretty, fancy name. Sometimes they really just get a catalog name. There are so many objects in space. It's so large and it's expanding. Space is accelerating, actually, in its expansion. And so there's going to be more objects, I think, that are going to be discovered in the coming years. So I'm curious of how you're all feeling. If you want to maybe send me an emoji or comment or we want to call in and say hello. If you have any questions about black holes, uh, let me know. I, I would love to, to hear from all of you guys. Otherwise, um, let's see if there's anything else I can jump in with. There is astronomy picture of the day which I believe is a galaxy. I, I did my class this morning on Dexter TV and that was super fun. Um, so we were kind of chatting about, uh, also about black holes, which is why I was inspired for today's episode to be about black holes. Um, so if you know any kiddos who um, ever want to watch um, a space stream, it's uh, targeted for ages between three to six for, for Tuesday mornings. And then the other shows are all ages. So teenagers, uh, maybe even college students, but yeah, yeah, I would say, I would say probably, probably a little bit younger. Um, us older folks will be, be on here chatting with each other so we can just go a little bit more in depth with, with some details rather than sort of going over, um, that kind of basic definitions, which I think a lot of us understand at this point. So this astronomy picture of the day picture for March 3rd is a spiral galaxy. 
NGC 2841. It's about 46 million light years away from us. Uh, and let's, let's kind of break down light year. Um, does anyone know about how a light year is even measured? I'm curious if you guys, uh, have any thoughts on that. Again, as we start to roll out, I think more with the chat feature, more if you guys want to comment, it'll be a little bit uh, more fun, I would say, in the future of getting some some uh, conversation going uh, with you guys. But uh, as far as um, as far as like galaxies go and and the light year goes and the sizes of things go, things reach a point where they're so large, it's very difficult to use units of measurement that we use here on Earth like a ruler or a tape measure, um, or even like yardsticks, like, uh, like in a, in a football field. Sometimes we could even use football fields to explain distances, but it becomes a little bit tricky. And so light years are dependent on the speed of light because light does take time. Space is so large that it takes time for light to travel. For as, and as an example, the sun, sunlight that is hitting your face at this moment left the sun eight minutes ago. So just think about that. We're kind of receiving old sunlight at the moment. It left eight minutes ago. And so it's very important when it comes to very large objects that are very far away in space to use the speed of light as a measurement. So a light year is the time it takes for light to move in one year. And so 46 million light years away is this galaxy. Moving at the speed of light, it would take us 46 million years to reach the galaxy. So we'd have to be moving very fast. And on top of that, we'd have to be like, basically like, uh, <laughs> immortal. We'd, we would have to be able to live long enough and be able to still move at this faster than the speed of light to get to this galaxy. So I hope that puts a little bit of perspective in for you. Uh, also the speed of light, how I like to sort of break that down and explain it. Uh, look around your room right now and find a doorknob. An average height of a doorknob is about a meter and that, and you have to travel 300 million of those doorknobs in a second. So imagine looking at a doorknob height and laying out 300 million of them on the ground. And then for you to get from the first doorknob to the last doorknob in one second, you would be moving at the speed of light. So just sit with that for a second. It's, it's, it's like definitely a very fast speed. As I mentioned, we can't physically move like that just yet. Um, I'm excited and hopeful for the technological future of humanity, uh, especially maybe reaching a point of possibly downloading our consciousness and our ideas and our thoughts and our minds to uh, some type of non-physical data storage. This way, we're able to actually achieve moving fast, moving at light speed and being simply energy. So with that being said, I hope you guys get to go and check out astronomy picture of the day sometime, either today or tomorrow. Um, I think you should check it every day because there are always new objects that are up. And even if you head to astronomy picture of the day, you can even skip ahead. You could go to the archive 
And I'm just curious, so I'm going to check when the very first astronomy picture of the day was uploaded here. It was, oh, wait, let's see. Definitely not 2015. For sure there were earlier ones. But I highly recommend heading to this website. I think it's super fun to just sort of explore things um, and see what else is out there. You could also type in quasars, active galactic nuclei, um, which would be really, I think, relevant to today's conversation about this. Um, one other type of black hole I did not mention completely. This just this is why I like astronomy picture of the day. Uh, something that popped up is something called a primordial quasar. Primordial. So there's also primordial black holes. These are black holes that likely formed at the very beginning of our universe, the very early formation of our universe. And being able to sort of analyze and explore those areas of space can give us a lot of understanding of the early, early universe. There is, you know, a part of the Big Bang Theory right now, an understanding of like when inflation happened, when the first um, quantum particles formed, and then eventually atomic particles formed, and um, eventually more things started to uh, basically be born. But, but, but looking at primordial black holes can really help us, I would say, uh, start to just see more about the formation of these objects. And the more that we start to research that, the more maybe we can understand the possibility of, of a wormhole or a white hole. And basically, a wormhole would just be as if you took a black hole and a, a white hole and you, then you connected it with a tunnel. This is also known as the Einstein-Rosen bridge, because uh, the two scientists that had come up with the theory. And that would basically say that if there is an area in space where everything falls in, even light, aka a black hole, then there must be something that is only releasing things, not absorbing things. There must be something that is basically the other end of a black hole. And it's so crazy to think about. Uh, there are people who've actually devoted themselves to, if we create the technology to fly someone to a black hole, that they would commit themselves to science and say, hey, right towards the end of my life, I will fly to the black hole and I will try to record as much as I can before getting spaghettified. And one of those individuals is actually Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, he has said this plenty of times. And if that is something that happens in our lifetime where this type of technology is able to be created, we might very well have uh, some kind of semi-human evidence of what it would be like um, to actually, yeah, explore, fall into a black hole. It'd probably be very uncomfortable, but, you know, maybe there, there would be something else in there that we're not too familiar with. It is still um, widely unknown, which is, I think, really fascinating. Uh, one more thing I'll say about black holes is Hawking radiation um, and the no boundary proposal. So, Stephen, this is one of my favorite theories to explore. Um, Stephen Hawking, uh, rest in peace, miss him so much, uh, really loved listening to his lectures, uh, loved listening to anything he would basically say live, um, or his, his robotic voice would speak live. But uh, one of his theories he was working on was the no-boundary proposal. And that was based on Hawking radiation, which basically says that if something falls into a black hole, 
something can radiate back out. Part of the, like if your wallet falls into the black hole, part of your wallet will also be radiated back out into space. And this was, it just was a theory. And the reason he said that was because eventually enough matter can fall into the black hole where there won't be anything left around the black hole. And so it'll, it could potentially turn inside out where it's only radiation, only Hawking radiation. There's only, um, sort of this, like, like a stamp code understanding of what this wallet material is that fell in. Part of that was also put back out into space. And so he said, if this is the case with black holes, um, and some stuff can radiate back out of them, then what about the early universe? Maybe the universe didn't form from the big from a big bang. Maybe it didn't form from a point of singularity where there was nothing and then suddenly something. But in fact, maybe there always was something there. Existence, physical matter, space and time, like something actually existing. Kind of like a bowl, but a bowl upside down with no edges. And eventually something may have happened or occurred that caused it to rip and start to expand into a universe. Time started, uh, things started to expand, and eventually the universe could have expanded too. So this is a really kind of very out there proposal. Um, it, 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 I don't know if there's, I'm sure there's still colleagues of his that are working on this idea, um, but it's truly, I think, fascinating to think about that the universe may have started from a point of always existence rather than nothingness and suddenly somethingness, um, which I think is, is really kind of fascinating to think about. Uh, and, and as things ex accelerate and expand, uh, the universe is getting colder and colder and colder. It, and that's because things are getting further away from each other. Things are being pressed outward. Um, and it's happening at a faster rate. So the universe has expanded twice in size today as it was yesterday. And then it's going to be now four times as bigger and as wider as it was today, tomorrow, and so on and so forth. So it's not only like expanding at the same rate, it's expanding at a faster rate every single day. So those, that's, that's about everything that uh, I guess I'll, I'll leave here with you all today um, for this episode of Space Talk. I know we kind of explored tons of different things when it comes to the universe and the vastness of it and the mysterious phenomena of um, just of space in general and black holes. But um, on that note, I hope you all get to go check out the Black Hole Archive. I think that'd be really cool. Um, and make sure you tune in tomorrow for Corey Powell's interview. That'll be at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time or Central Daylight Time. We are still in daylight time. Alrighty, everyone. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And until next time, add Astra. Astra.